Hi, and welcome to Gateway Unlocked, MasterCard Payment Gateway's podcast, where we connect with teammates from across the globe and organization on payment trends, innovation, and ideas that are shaping our business. I'm Anne Herrera, and today I'm joined by John Keneally, Product Manager for Simplify Commerce, our white label small business gateway. John, I am so excited to have you on today. Thanks for having me on, Anne. It's great to be here. Thanks. Yes, yeah, so a bit about myself. So I am a, as, as Anne had says, I am a product manager for Simplify, um, Simplify Commerce, the e-commerce um, small business solution for Master Campaign Gateway Services. Um, so I've been I've been in Simplify for quite a while now. I've kind of moved around in different positions in the team. Um, originally started off as what you might assume was a bit of a startup within within MasterCard, and um, I started off as a support engineer moved to business operations so keeping the lights on working with that and then kind of the natural progression as the product scaled was that since i know knew so much about it i decided that uh, project product management side was was where i wanted to be so i have a unique kind of a background into how support works how the pain points that can come with the support side of things um having spent most of my professional uh, career as a support engineer up until maybe two years ago um, so that's what I'm trying to talk about today and trying to improve the methods that people use to kind of make life easier on support and, and make make products easier to support in the meantime. Yeah, I was actually reading your your blog post about support driven development. And, um, you know, I I personally have not had much experience with support, but I've been you know, I know the different variations of of driven development from test to development or test driven development, agile driven development, behavior driven development. Support-driven development, I don't think is a topic that's very widely discussed. Um, I, I might so, have coined the phrase, maybe. Um, oh. I don't know. I, so I was trying to find it. I was trying to find out if anyone else was talking about the same topic. It's not something that is ever or very much talked about um, in terms of development. So support is very often a second thought or a something went wrong. Let's fix it. Um, it's never really prepared um, for the for the support side of things. So that's why I thought it'd be kind of it'd be a nice, nice topic to kind of touch on with my experience and and maybe and try and kind of open people's eyes to to how much how much hassle you can save by by following some of these procedures. Yeah, so talk to us a little bit, um, define in your words, you know, what is support driven development? What what is the benefit of having a support driven development team? So it's when you're building a product, support-driven development is kind of a method that you can ideally use to avoid problems that might occur when you're building a product at the start. You don't think about your scaling. You don't think about how many customers you have going to be using this. You, your main goal is to get a product out there, get something that's working to the market, and and make the, make sure it has all of the need. It it touches all of the boxes that your customers might need. What you don't think about is when. 200, 300, 400 people start using your software. Um, you don't have a support team yet. Your, your, your developers are working as the support usually at mm -hmm. the start. You have people who are not, who don't want to be support. You've developers talking to the customers. You've, you've, you've all of these methods that um, developers might be good at using, like finding the logs through the log files, like all of the complicated stuff that they, they might be okay with. But then when you start hiring out a support team, they're going to be the ones that are going to have to do this work. So these people might not be necessarily qualified in the role that they're trying to support. So you're kind of creating barriers. The more the more you require your developers to have to input into the support cycle, you're creating barriers that your support team aren't able to overcome 
or they might have difficulty overcoming. So these are all the problems that you're going to hit as your product scales. You're you're going to have all of these methods of supporting your software, workarounds to find the logs, um, different kind of UI aspects that um, you might not be aware of. And support-driven development is kind of a way to counteract these if it's already been done. So I can, like a lot of products are already out there. So this is kind of reactionary in a way. But if a startup saw this and they're like, oh, well, we do think this product is going to be successful. We do believe that eventually we will have end users. We want to protect ourselves so that if the time comes that it does scale, it won't be a nightmare to support. Um, we'll mm -hmm. have a lot of uh, information in place. We'll have a lot of the, the logging correctly done. Um, we'll be able to turn around customer queries a lot quicker when, once it does come to that. So that's kind of what support driven development is. So it's essentially then um, the developer team keep as they develop products, as they develop, you know, as they code, it's keeping in mind how that product will be then supported by the customer teams. Yeah. Or the customer service teams. Yeah. So then would you say that also, and I can definitely see how you're developing your product, that this would be essential. But what about also when, okay, we've got, uh, you know, several payment gateways, you know, in the market, they've, they've definitely scaled, they're global. Um, how would you say that this then works with enhancements? I mean, do you find that development and customer support work closely on enhancements? Is that no. part of the support-driven development uh, not process? Historically, in my in all of my jobs previous, um, no, not really. Uh, someone in support might raise an enhancement, say, do you know what? It'd be really useful if we had a button to reset someone's account um, on our support portal. Um, that would be an enhancement the support team raised. It never really gets the priority above if a partner was to ask for something or it, mm -hmm. it, it's always like playing second fiddle to to the stuff that um, brings in revenue or the stuff that are new features, their showstoppers, stuff that you want to release to the market. Fair enough. They have their own priority, but enhancements are never really tracked. I know in, in my previous companies now I've, I've tried to make the difference here because of my support background. It has it has helped. But in my previous jobs, it would be, yeah, raise an enhancement and it goes off into some magical spreadsheet in, in some magical folder that's never looked at again. Um, so something like that is is stuff that you, we try and kind of take into account, help our support team. They are able to help our partners. Um, you never really hear from partners until they escalate a problem. And mm. that's when we try to avoid that before that even happens um, by giving our support teams the tool they need to be able to support us correctly. Well, that, I mean, that that's um, it's interesting that you raise support. So I remember when I, I also worked on the Simplify product for for a small bit and they had me do a stint within support. And I think that was most one of the most eye opening opportunities I've I've ever had and really understanding how the tool worked and what what the uh, what the what the pain points were, you know, for for our customers were who were in that moment, you know, the the very small and and, and micro merchants. Yep. So I'm glad to hear that we're really moving towards that more. Um, I know it's two teams, but yet it's more communication, more open, more looking at what those pain points are, you know, coming in from our partners, our our financial banking partners and institutions, and then what what they're seeing that their merchants, their customers are also experiencing um, as as well. So how then does this so this supports our customer goals really well which is which our main emphasis um and definitely one of our biggest drivers or one of our biggest business drivers is to support um our customers our customers yep. are key and their center 
Can you give me some examples, whether just, you know, general um, on really how this helps move the customer goals? So it, I, uh, we, we have quick turnaround times when you when when a, a customer raises an issue. Um, most of our customers at the moment are not technical. That's the, that's the idea of the product. Our product is for non-technical people. It's so that they can get e-commerce stores set up for a lot of them anyways. They can get e-commerce set up without very much technical knowledge. That okay, means they don't know how. Our small business customers, yeah, right? Small business, Just yeah, clarify. yeah, okay. yeah. So a lot of times when people raise issues with support, um, they think in their head, like for for example, I, I'll use one example. Maybe I'll kind of jump to a quick segue about an example I use in the blog post. So. Say a user wants to reset their password. Um, they're just clicking the I forgot my password button and it's not sending the email. They might think, yeah, why is this simple thing not working? Right. So they'll raise the request with support, level one support, maybe how many, depending on how many levels of support you have, they'll pick it up. They'll look into it. Um, for example, so this is where things kind of can go sideways. So if support is not talk, taught about in the development of the product, um, this is where things can go pear-shaped. So simple problem can have layers upon layers upon layers of issues underneath or, or choices that were made over the course of the past previous couple of years or whatever that can make this issue snowball very quickly. So for example, um, this is a, a, an example that I kind of made up, but it has some basis in truth, but not too much. So GDPR um, is something that was brought in, I think it was back in like 2017 or somewhere around then in Europe. So that's the, um, what's the, uh, so it's called GDPR, General Data Protection Regulation. So that means it was a whole pile of um, regulations that were brought in to kind of protect the consumer, like their privacy, their PII information, their identifiable identif uh, information. Mm -hmm. So they had to, everyone had to do um, reviews of all of their logging, their their information that's printed in logs where customer oh, yeah. emails are saved, all of that kind of stuff had to come in. So as a result of that, it was kind of without support um, input, like as, as most companies don't really, when they're developing something, they wouldn't really think to contact the support members like saying, oh, do you use these log lines for anything? So in the logs, you might be able to find that user really quickly, but you're not able to by, by like searching for their email address in the username. So this person was trying to reset their password. And if before GDPR, they were just able to go into the logs, the support members just able to look through it and find the email address and then find the error message that was happening. GDPR, you had to hide email addresses. So now they were looking at the logs and all that was showing was the ID, the database ID for that user. So obviously someone from level one support's not gonna have access to the database. So they're not gonna be able to find this stuff. So then they had to involve level two support who then had to try and match the ID, find the ID from the database, find the username's ID, dig into the database, find out what that was just to find the next line of the log line. So that can kind of surface a lot of different problems and it really can kind of put it, put it more difficult where simple, if support team was consulted around GDPR, what log lines do you use? Um, what information do you need in the logs? Then do we need to show that ID on the front end? Do you need to, so they can find it easily in the logs or do you need to find some search um, so that it can be found easily? And then like stuff like that can be prepared against. So that could snowball into like a week where a customer can't get into their account. They're wondering why um, I can't get into my account. Usually your development team might be in a different time zone to your level one. So that causes the cycle of 
developers going back to support, support going back to developers. It could be a week or two before they find out what's even wrong. So in, in this example I used, you can find it if you have a look at the blog, it was just someone had a apostrophe in their email address. And that's a lot of times we see that. It's surprising because it breaks a lot of stuff in a lot of websites using apostrophes. So that was the reason the reset password wasn't changed. Support were able to just quickly get another email thrown in so the customer could get into their account. If they were able to see straight away what the issue was, they would have got the customer into the account after like a few minutes or day one, if they were able to just maybe have a button where they could send the password reset or they were able to just change the email for the customer itself without having to actually spend a load of time investigating it. That week might be um, really annoying for the customer. Maybe they were trying to make a big sale. Maybe they were trying to, they had a customer on the phone with them and they were trying to make a transaction. They were trying to buy something large. They might have lost a customer. That'll put a sour taste in their mouth and the customers mm -hmm. then will, maybe they'll escalate that to the partner saying that I couldn't get into my account for a week. What's going on? Um, all of this kind of stuff could be avoided if there was more input from support um, during the development cycle. So that's kind of a brief uh, description or I suppose an example of um, where where that can be taken into account. No, I mean, and I understand that's a hypothetical situation, but um, it's a it's a very good example. And it's funny because it wasn't with the MasterCard product, but this morning I forgot my password to something and I still haven't gotten that email yeah. of what my what my password is. So um, and I mean, it's been a couple of hours for me, so I can't imagine understanding it's a hypothetical you know, situation, but for a small business or even our larger merchants for a global enterprise business, how critical, you know, even minutes are or seconds. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely, I so I definitely see one of the goals in, in talking to you is it seems like it's to lower the amount of time that our support team needs to fix a problem. Is, yeah. is that essentially? Or, or if there is, um, like you can't always support team aren't going to always be able to fix the problem. So mm -hmm. it's giving them the tools to work around the problem until they can get a fix in place, a proper fix in place. So for anything, basically, uh, I, I'd say that anything that um, requires an action on the customer, any of their main account kind of admin sections, you'll want support team to have the, the power to make those changes for the customer if they can't find them, if mm -hmm. they can't reset their password, if they're they've never got the confirmation email. You want to give all of that power to the support team as well so that they, uh, with a touch of a button, when they ring up, they can say, hey, look, this button isn't working for me. Um, that that page doesn't load for me. Can you just do it for me? Um, I'm I'm under time pressure here or I don't have my laptop with me. I'm on the phone and I can't log into the web view. All of that kind of stuff. You should be able to give your support team the power that they need to do that stuff for for the customers um, and and really make the, the whole support kind of um, Experience, the support experience, you want to make that as seamless as possible. Um, so while the customer might not want to ring up support, when they do ring it up, it's solved as quick as you can. Uh, and it really does give a better impression of the product. It, it gives a better overall experience to the customer uh, and they're they're happy to to recommend. I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but um, I, I, I quoted a stat where it's something like 65% uh, of, of US customers are would recommend a product um, based on good customer service experience. So um, it's it's really important to have customer good customer service. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I think it was like fifty six percent also would say that they uh, that they leave for for you know for poor customer service. I'll have to look that quote up. 
Um, so I love it. So seamless payments and seamless customer support. Uh, that needs to be our new our new yeah. brand logo or, or uh, tagline, right? <laughs> so um, I love how it's really, you know, focusing on our customer goals. What about our partnership goals as well? I mean, how do we work with, in the case of the small business, you know, it's a white label uh, small business gateway. So we work with our partners globally, our large, you know, banking institutions and financial institution partners. And then they, of course, white label it for their own small businesses. Yep. Um, but what about our partners goals as well? How do they interact with this, um, you know, from from being that third party that, you know, is it's under their brand? You know, how yep. how does this help with our partnership goals? So. Um, I, over the years, I've kind of figured out that if you have to say something to a customer more than once or to multiple customers, the same thing, you have to give it over and over. That's something that can be put into a template and provided to whoever needs it. So what we've been trying to do, and you've you've made a few yourself, Anne, is, is with the, the, the videos, the learning videos, get a script out, show them how it's done themselves. If they want to, they can use your videos. If they want to um, repurpose the videos, put it into their own language. If it's just a simple fact, like showing a customer how to use the product, if it's the customer rings up, rings up 10 times and says, I can't find where the payment button is, make a video to show where the payment button is so that that can be just simply clicked in, forwarded to the customer, um, and they'll be able to see it straight away. They'll be able to understand how it's done. And having those in some sort of a central location, uh, like a YouTube channel, for example, like our own YouTube channel. Um, and then like, one of the one of the one of the other topics that I talk about is around automated responses. So if a customer raises a ticket, um, if they send an email to support, can you provide that in the email response? Can you say, hey, here's a, a YouTube channel for for all the questions you might have, or here's our support knowledge base? Um, mm -hmm. That kind of thing can easily prov pre be provided to the customer, and by the time you respond to them, they might have seen the actual YouTube channel and said, hey, no, I I actually got help from your YouTube channel. Uh, that was I didn't I don't need your support anymore. So you might <laughs> you might catch it before it even gets raised. Yeah. So okay, no, that sounds great. So what I'm hearing is is the support driven development. It one empowers our our support team, but it, it seems that it also makes our customers, our partners, and I guess their teams more self sufficient as well. When when yep. their small business merchants come in, or or when their their large tier tier merchants come in as well. So we just had Lee Murphy on. And he was talking about customer support from a peak season perspective and, you know, what, what, um, what their level of support is, how they ensure that our customers are, are fully supported and are, you know, happy and transacting away, you know, when seconds count, you know, during yeah. peak season shopping. Um, what about support-driven development leading up to peak season? Have you guys been making improvements? Have you guys been working on, you know, if if um, a customer support issue comes up, you know, how how are we going to, uh, you know, I guess, quicken the the support time, yeah. especially during such a busy season? Exactly. Yeah, so the, the aim of the game is to re reduce the amount of times that you have to escalate an issue. So reducing. So if the partner escalates to, to our support team, if the support team escalates to the development team. So the aim of the game is to reduce. First of all, if you can reduce the steps, the amount of time someone has to escalate it. Second is to remove remove the time between escalations. So if they need to go up to the next level, they have to raise it. It goes overnight. It goes two days before it gets picked up, that kind of thing. So you want to reduce all that because time matters when it's 
three days mm -hmm. of, of busy shopping in Thanksgiving or if it's over mm -hmm. the holiday season, you you might not have that many team people online. So one thing that we've been doing, um, we're 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 kind of developing it at the moment. Um, but we're we're it's been developed over the past few years. I think called correlation ID logging, right? So it's basically any um response that goes to 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 over the over the internet to our platform over um HTTP responses that go to our platform. They all have this identifier that is attached to every flow. So if you have that identifier as a developer or as a, a support engineer, you're able to see every single log line that was related to that um, individual action. So say they just paid for something in the store and it, it, it showed an error or said, sorry, we're not able to complete your order. We, what we're developing is that we have error messages that show that ID. So in that actual pop-up, while it may make no sense to the customer itself, they'll see that there's an identifier here, there's an ID here, maybe, and there's a copy button. So there's going to be a little, like you have um, on some banking apps now where you can copy the, the number. So that's going to be beside it. So when you see that as a customer, you're like, oh, well, they're showing me this ID and I need this fixed quick. So maybe that's what they want me to do, to copy this ID and send it to the support team. That ID then brings the developer immediately into where the problem lies or the support engineer. It'll bring them straight to it. So they don't have to, whenever the support team from the partner comes on that says, oh, well, um, this customer is having an issue. If they if it was just a screenshot saying an error on the page with no times, they might not include the time it happened. You don't know what time zone it is. If you've got hundreds and thousands of transactions coming through, it's really hard to pinpoint where that came from. So if we even have a screenshot of that ID on the screen, then our level one support team will be able to find something in the logs. It might be something simple like their card, the merchant's card hasn't been set up properly for that card type or you know something that can be solved before having to go all the rungs through the ladder to the the development team so that's that's one thing that's close to my heart now because we we introduced the ids maybe a couple of years back or a year ago and now we're starting to roll out these new error messages and i it, it's it's interesting to see it actually um in live getting released as like a lot of our support team have been asking for this so we're we're actually listening to them and we're like yes um this would drastically help um, reduce the amount of time that people spend troubleshooting issues or just the the back and forth trying to find out what happened, when it happened, where it happened and that kind of thing. So that's one thing that we're doing at the moment that's that's really interesting. I love that. No, I think that sounds very exciting. And then so I'm, I'm an analytics girl. Um, <laughs> do you guys then keep, you know, you know, perhaps stats on that and and show that as a way to continue to enhance our our products? Yeah, so I think we don't really have stats on this specifically, but we have um, responses from the support team. So like anytime we talk to the support team, oh, how are you getting on with this new ID logging? They're like, this is this is just making everything so much easier um, because they don't have the knowledge of we're a microservices architecture on, on Simplify at least. So there's 10 different um, services talking to each other. So if you don't have an in-depth knowledge of how the services work, you're not going to know where to look. You're not going to know what logs to look for. You're not going to know what platform sent the email, what one sent the payment, that kind of thing. So if you have this ID um, that e you can easily plug into the log indexer, um, it drastically reduces the amount of time you spend on an issue. So we've heard just all of the praise from the support team after this came out. This is super. How can we how can we build this out? How can we make this easier? So be it creating a dashboard on the indexer page, the indexer, and just so they can plug in the 
the correlation ID to find the related messages, then they don't even have to remember the, the searches, the specific keywords to search in the logs, so they can just plug in that ID. So a lot of things like this, they're just getting good um, feedback from the support team, which is obviously um, they're they're always under pressure. Anyone who's worked in support knows that it's it's not an easy job. Um, it's always time pressure. Like the name of the game is SLAs and and getting stuff turned over quickly. So the quicker you can have them, um, the happier the customers are and the less stress that's put on the support team. Oh yeah, I uh, <laughs> so I did support for a week, and I mean, gosh, this was over, you know five, six years ago, and I still remember it vividly. You know, you you always put the customer first at MasterCard. Yeah. And, you know, I was inexperienced. I think it was like my third week on the job as it is. So I was learning the product, but it was it was a great experience to understand our product. Um, but yeah, I, I completely understand where you where you're coming from with you want to make the the customer support team happy. And I think it's interesting. I mean, communication. I feel that that is one of the big themes for this year's peak season. We heard Lee talk about, you know, communicating, communicating with the customer support teams, you know, being being prepared and having that open communication, the same with BizOps, the same with, um, you know, more of the account management. Um, and then also, you know, within internally, and I know we do a really great, really great job about communicating within teams, um, but it, it makes so much sense to have the development team and the customer service team to really be very, very close to one another. Yeah. Um, even though, you know, you guys are probably in, in different, different time zones or areas or even countries, I guess. Yeah. So we're spread all over. Um, we've, I think we're in nearly every continent now. Most of the, our team is, is anyways. And it's just, I just considering, I think, is all we have to do. Just consider the support team. Like when there's a thing called impact analysis that we have to do whenever we're developing a new. I'm learning all this as as the product side of things, but the impact analysis is what you do. It's a set of questions that developers ask themselves whenever they're developing something to kind of jog their memory. You can't think of everything um, as you're uh, writing the specs for for a new feature or a new 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 code change or whatever. So this impact analysis tells you, oh, did you consider this? Did you consider that? And you have to consider the stuff as you read it. So it's as simple as just asking the support team, okay, what questions do you guys want added to this? It might be, have you considered if logs are going to change, do support use those logs? Um, have you considered if the customer is going to ask support to do this action? Do you need to put that on a screen somewhere? Um, do you need to make that a button on the support UI? All of these things is just communicating at the start with the development team to get their questions and maybe every now and again getting onto them saying has there been anything that's been raised a load of times over the past six months or over the past year that's you're not able to support properly um, just due to the limitations on the platform you have um, if there is let's get it fixed let's get it let's get it out as a, out as a button it's because eventually the aim of the game is just to re reduce the amount of time that the developers have to spend on um, customer issues because if if they spend the time that they had spent investigating issues, actually implementing stuff to help the support team, you're killing two birds with the one stone. Like you're 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 reducing um, the amount of time the customer has, is spending on issues, and you're reducing the amount of time the support team is. But you're also improving the um, the life cycle of the support um, ticket. So your support team are happier. They're they've got the tools they need 
probably maybe helps with the turnover. I'm not sure about that, but um, like they're not stressed out the whole time. So you'd obviously think that that would improve the their um, day-to-day working life in in the company. So that's that's one thing I like to focus on as well. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, in talking to the support team, they're 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 particularly wonderful when they're not stressed out. So <laughs> yeah. they're they're fantastic colleagues. So, and I think you made you raised a very interesting point. But I I definitely see the benefits of support driven development or or engineering perhaps is is also another word for it um, as a way to keep focused on really what's important and and what matters you know because you know so I'm in marketing. I don't want to just market things just to market things and write content just to write content. You know, I want to make sure that it's meaningful and impactful. Um, and I feel like this is the same as well with support-driven development is it it makes your, um, you know, coding incredibly impactful and um, get, you get results from it, and which yeah. I think is the most exciting. Yeah, so like it kind of feeds into like user experience design as well. So mm-hmm. if you're thinking about how the customer, like I, I think you had David David Buvetsky on last week or on the last topic, he was talking about the consumer, like developing it on a consumer lens. So you're thinking about the consumer here as well because you're trying to design it in such a way that it doesn't break or their experience using the platform is seamless. It might mean that they eventually, at some stage, they will might have to raise a ticket to support or that something doesn't work the way it does. This is software. That's it, nothing ever works perfectly in software, um, from my experience in support, anyways. But you want to make it as seamless as possible so that if something does not work the way it should, um, you can solve it quickly. And again, that's just helps their vision of the product, it helps their thoughts about how how it works, and um, really improves their feeling. Um, their general uh, overview of the platform whenever they're using it. So yeah, so it feeds into u- user experience design as well. So if I click this button and it doesn't work, what happens um, when I'm designing it? So error messaging, correct logging, um, stuff like that, that might be visible to the customer, might not, depending on what way they're using the platform, um, but it should be thought about as it's been developed so that it can be um, made made the best version of itself, I suppose. Yeah, no, absolutely. I remember actually when you joined um, Simplify Commerce and you came over and uh, and visited us, I think, in the St. Louis office yeah, with, a few, yeah. with a few folks. And, uh, you know, I could tell then that you were going to be an absolutely great colleague to to have on team on the team and, and on board. And I'm glad that you've brought, you know, your ideas about support driven development, you know, to MasterCard and obviously to the payment gateway services. Um, so, OK, so I have a question. This is one of my fun aspects of the podcast. You had mentioned that, you know, outside of MasterCard, you're not seeing a lot of, you know, other entities really focusing on support-driven development. If you were going to talk to them, what is the one thing you would tell them on why this is really important? Keeping the customer happy um, at all stages of the life cycle. They might be happy using your product. Your product might be great, um, but then something will change that they need your support. And if you can't provide good support, that's going to make them unhappy. It's a lot more difficult to bring someone back from unhappy to happy than it is to keep them happy. So if you're able to do that, then everything, everything will go well. Um, You can't do it all the time. But if you keep those times where they're unhappy with your product to an absolute minimum, then you're you're on to a winner. 
That's a very motivating line. And you're you're absolutely right. And I think we see that in in so many different areas of of the business is, you know, um, attracting and retaining customers is is essential to growth. Yep. You know, if you've if you've upset your customers, and I know there were a couple of stats that we were we were referencing earlier. Um, you know, you you win you. I'm sorry, you lose that business, but then potentially you could you could uh, lose additional business as as the entrepreneurial community and the small business community globally is yep. is so big and 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 so in, and so impactful. You know, as 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 well. That's um that's a really that's a really great point. So, John, I think this was an incredibly helpful and and meaningful podcast, to be honest, because it's it's been great. In the past couple of sessions, we've really looked at, and you you mentioned David as well, but we've also looked at you know David Bozeski and how we design the 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 um, the gateways, Matt Evans, and really kind of that customer journey and the customer personas as well, and and really kind of shaping that in both internal and external customer personas. Um, and then, you know, Lee and and you as well in really how the communication and how everything works together like a like a clock or like gears, you know, in, in everything kind of ticking at the right time and how that communication is key and how listening to our customer and, and getting feedback from our customers really what our main focus is, focus is and how we're taking that feedback from our customer and, and continuing to develop and and maintain a, a product that they're that they're proud to use and in some instances brand brand is their own yeah um so yeah thank you so much for joining us today and um we will catch everyone next time <laughs>